right, welcome to the Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss on this Thursday morning. Got some rest, got some relaxation last night after I got home very late from the Denver Nuggets defeating the Los Angeles Lakers. Final score, 110 to 99. Actually, Found this pretty fascinating. The first game of the ESPN window, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn, finished with exactly the same score, 110 to 99. Not sure how often that actually happens, but it was just a very quirky thing that I found funny. On this podcast, we are going to discuss the starters, the bench, and my takeaways for Denver through their first five games, kind of what to make of this team through their first five games. Not a lot of time to really draw sweeping conclusions, but want to talk about some of the numbers, want to talk about where they've kind of been here. But I do want to focus in on the starters. I want to focus in on Nikola Jokic especially, who deserves a lot of credit. After his game against Portland, where he shot four times and wasn't really fully engaged into the game, he brought it last night against the Lakers. He was very, very good. He started off the game by giving up an and one to Anthony Davison in isolation, and I thought that that might have been a sign of things to come. I was wrong. You look at Anthony Davis's stat line, who matched up directly against him, and Davis, I mean, he was fine. He had 36 minutes, 22 points, 11 of 19 from the field, uh, only attempted one three, only attempted one free throw. Davis grabbed 14 rebounds, had five assists, three steals, two blocks. And yet watching those two go back and forth, only one of those guys was dominating the game. Only one. And it was Jokic. He was controlling the pace. He was controlling the tempo. Did a nice job of defending Davis without fouling. And Davis is talented, so he made some of the shots against Jokic without... uh, like he, he made some of the shots against Jokic when Jokic was playing good defense or was playing competent defense. But the difference in plus minuses there is pretty staggering. Anthony Davis a minus 22, Jokic a plus 28 in this game. In a game that the Nuggets won by 11, they were basically up by 17 when garbage time hit and both teams removed their starters and went to deep bench lineups. But at that point, Jokic in 35 minutes had 31 points on 12 of 17 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, so he was 12 of 13 from 2, shot 7 of 7 from the free throw line, being good when he gets to the line, had 13 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals compared to just 3 turnovers. It was a strong performance from Nikola Jokic, the two-time MVP, and this is one of those games where he reminds you that yeah, when he wants to turn it on, when he's fully engaged, when he is fully aggressive, there are very few players in the NBA that can match what he does. He's just so good, especially right now, at this moment. There are very few players in the world, and frankly throughout NBA history, that can match what he does. And he did it in every single way. Um, For this Nuggets team... There have definitely been some growing pains with the starting lineup as Jamal Murray has kind of gotten back into form and still looks very rusty as Aaron Gordon is one of 16 from three on the season. 
Uh, Bruce Brown, KCP, still learning the ropes for this team. Michael Porter, obviously, still trying to figure some things out when he plays. He was out last night. He'll be fine. But with Jokic, you know that he can tie the room together. You know that he can do those things that MVPs do. Like he, he can do that. And so it was so jarring to not see him go to those lengths in previous games where, sure, against Portland, he kind of let the game come to him. He wasn't trying to force anything. But at some point, you're the two-time MVP. You're a guy who has a lot of pressure on him to perform. And when you don't play like that, it drastically lowers Denver's ceiling. So it was nice to see him play that well tonight or last night against LeBron and AD in what was a relatively easy game for him. He like he dominated in a lot of different ways, uh, whether it was with his passing, whether he was contesting Anthony Davis at the rim, whether he was uh, just going to work on the block or, or speeding past Anthony Davis on the perimeter, which it's not a, a thing that I thought would happen that often, but here we are. He's done it for two and a half straight years, basically. But he looked great. Definitely in his bag on this one. He broke out the Sombor shuffle right at the end. And he also dimed up Jeff Green on a nice backdoor cut. A very nonchalant backdoor pass with his left hand. He's so good. He's so good, especially when he wants to be. So hope he continues to push. Maybe not too hard because I, I understand if he wants to conserve a little bit of energy here. But the Nuggets are at their best, as Michael Malone said, when aggressive Nikola Jokic comes out. Next, let's move to Jamal Murray, who through the first half was, uh, let's, let's face it, he was horrible. He was absolutely horrible. And it's not the worst thing in the world because Jokic and Denver starters are good enough that they can kind of pick up the slack in a lot of cases. And that's what happened in this game, at least through the first half. In the second half, Murray was much closer to normal. I think he was two of nine in the first half, which makes him four of six from the field in the second. Had a couple assists, uh, had a couple steals, had four rebounds. Look, I am definitely not like writing home any of these results when it comes to Murray. He's been bad, and I think based off of what Jokic said during a couple of his press conferences, that he knew that Jamal would be bad. It's funny because sometimes we think that he's joking. He just might not be. Like He just knows and and is in that situation where he can uh, see some of how Jamal's playing and, and understand what's going through his head. But yeah, Murray was struggling and he was in his head for a little bit. Michael Malone last night said that he knew that Jamal was in his head and he gave him a big hug and said he was going to stick with him no matter what, that he knows how good he is and it's just going to take time. And then lo and behold, Jamal hits a three in the fourth quarter to basically ice the game. And it was a nice sigh of relief for just about everybody. The energy in the building at that point was insane. I tweeted that I got chills right at that moment. I did. Like, it's it's fun. These, these are good moments for this Nuggets team and for Jamal, who has definitely missed this for a long time. He's going back and forth with Patrick Beverly, trying to uh, go at him a little bit. Beverly, I think, got the better end of that in terms of uh, defending Jamal, kind of forcing some tougher shots. But that's okay. 
because Jamal's being challenged right now. He's seeing what he can and can't do. And as he continues to be able to do more, these moments are going to be nice building blocks for him. Let's go to the other star of the night, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown got the podium game and he was fantastic, especially in the first half. Just really brought the energy when none of the Nuggets really were able to. This game started pretty slow for Denver. Very sloppy, very uncharacteristic of of how precise this team can be. They were kind of throwing the ball over the floor, uh, generating some horrible shots, whatnot. But Bruce Brown was the one guy, other than Jokic in some instances, where you can point to and say, yeah, Bruce Brown's bringing it. He's doing everything the Nuggets are asking him to do. And he's even hitting outside shots. And he continues to remind everybody that he was a 40% three-point shooter this last year. And so far this season, he started at 50%. 18 points tonight in 33 minutes, starting for Michael Porter Jr. Did a nice MPJ impression with uh, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Had 5 rebounds, including 2 offensive four assists, and two steals. Just a two-way player in every sense of the word can absolutely make an impact on both ends of the floor. The Nuggets had him defending LeBron at various points tonight, although Aaron Gordon had that nod for most of the night and I thought did a very nice job. But Bruce Brown, very, very good, was in passing lanes, was making the hustle plays, doing everything the Nuggets needed to do, needed him to do, in order to kind of keep the Lakers at an arm's length away from them when it came to the score. Uh, Credit to Bruce Brown stepping up in these situations. The Nuggets are going to have to find a way to keep him because he's too good for them to let walk in free agency. There are some financial issues with bringing him back because of the salary cap rules that if you if you sign somebody that basically signs a one-year contract that you can only give them a 20% raise, I think Bruce Brown is worth double-digit millions. Like, There's no doubt about that. They can't give that to him in the offseason, but that is something that you can cross that bridge when you come to it. Aaron Gordon, as I mentioned, uh, he has struggled from three-point range to start the season. 0 of 3 tonight, 1 of 16 in his first five games. Look, it is what it is. With as efficient as he is from two-point range and as just impactful as he is from that zone, it's okay to not be a great three-point shooter. The Nuggets can survive not having a great three-point shooter out there. But there are definitely moments where Gordon gets these wide-open shots and the defense just knows that they don't have to commit to guarding him. LeBron was trying to bait him into shooting threes all night. And it's a wonder that Gordon only took three because he was open far more than three times. That's for sure. But he supplemented some bad scoring tonight. Six points on eight shots with nine rebounds, including three offensive, five assists, two blocks, was a plus 19, and only committed one foul while guarding LeBron James. LeBron, I think, probably could have gotten a slightly better whistle tonight, but I thought Gordon, for the most part, just did a great job of defending without fouling. LeBron had 19 points on 21 shots, only two free throws, two of eight from three, nine assists compared to eight turnovers. This was a good 
defensive game from Aaron Gordon. He's one of the biggest reasons why Denver limited the Lakers to 99 points. First time over under 100 for the year. And finally, KCP. Uh, Late third quarter, KCP went down with an ankle sprain by the looks of it. We'll get a better picture from the injury report today. Uh, Michael Malone didn't have a lot, but looked like KCP rolled his ankle from what everybody was saying on the broadcast. And look, it happens. Sometimes it's just a fluke thing. Maybe he will sit out for a couple days. Maybe he will sit out for a week or, or whatnot. But he was back on the bench after getting it taped up. And though he probably could have gone back into the game, Michael Malone held him out. Just didn't necessarily feel comfortable or that it was necessary. And it's too bad because KCP has been playing great. 13 points for Denver tonight, 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. Just definitely a big part of what the Nuggets are capable of doing. And he just adds a level of competence that the Nuggets have been able to lean on while everybody's trying to get back into the swing of things. Having him be able to go 3 of 5 from 3, he's also shooting 50% from 3 on the season. It's been so valuable for this Nuggets group. So hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's good. I don't think it's very serious, but ankle rolls and sprains can be a little bit uh, finicky on the next day and then after the swelling kind of goes up. So we'll see what it looks like, but hopefully it's a short-term absence, if anything. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup. But first, football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling prom call 1-800-522-4700. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. It was a good win last night. Definitely a lot to be excited about, but there are some concerns, I would say, uh, namely the bench unit. The bench unit continues to be substandard, definitely not where it needs to be in general. Uh, I do think that there are some, like, it's tough because there are some individual good signs from this bench unit, but so far the collective just hasn't been, I don't think, where it needs to be. Uh, But let's go through it. Got to start with Bones Highland, who 17 minutes last night, and he he shot poorly, and some of the decision-making on the shots was pretty bad too. Uh, Six points, two of 12 from the field, one of five from three, one of two from the free throw line, five assists, one turnover, Did have a block, too. That was interesting. But here's the thing with Bones. He's just got so much pressure on him that 
he's either going to handle it well or he's not on some nights. And tonight I didn't think that he handled the pressure of it that well. I think there are some bad decisions that he made with the basketball. I think that the the ball doesn't necessarily flow with him while he's out there. There are times where he pounds the rock and doesn't necessarily know when to give it up or when to get it back. And sometimes that's that's a tough balance to strike because Denver needs him to be the high usage player off the bench. There's no doubt about that. But they also need him to be efficient. They need him to be effective. They need him to carry the burden in a lot of ways. Six points on 12 shots is just not going to cut it. He did have some good passes, including a transition behind the back pass to a Jeff Green dunk, which was awesome. It was great. And then the one three that he did hit was, I think, his final shot of the game where he's going down in transition, filling the lane on the right side, and he catches the ball and he's wide open. Or he either dribbled it up or he caught the ball. I I can't remember. But it was so funny because at that point he was 1 of 11 and 0 of 4 from 3, and he never hesitated. He never hesitated on the shot, just sat comfortably, hit it from the outside, and definitely a sigh of relief on his face there. He usually plays great on national TV, obviously didn't play that well last night, but there are going to be some ups and downs. He's a young player, definitely somebody who you know that he can give more in a lot of these cases, but it's going to take some time. He's he's definitely a guy, as I've mentioned before, that thrives off of comfort level. He's not in that zone yet and clearly hasn't been in that zone for a while now. So hopefully he gets there pretty soon because Denver needs it. They need that off the bench or they're going to have to change some things up. They're probably going to have to add Ish Smith back in to really give another layer of playmaking because it can't just be Bones if Bones is going to struggle. Let's move to Christian Brown, who I think Christian Brown is one of the big stories of the Nuggets season so far. And it sounds weird because he's not a definitely not a high usage player, definitely not somebody that the Nuggets are going to go to for any offensive sets. But he's finding a comfort level now. And Michael Malone and the Nuggets are finding a comfort level with him. 25 minutes off the bench, led the bench unit, even over Jeff Green, uh, who played 22 minutes. Christian Brown played 25 minutes tonight. And that included basically a 13, 14-minute stretch in the first half where he played just straight through, came in at the seven-minute mark in the first quarter and exited at about the five-minute mark of the second quarter. That's a long time. That is a long time to be out there. And yet it was deserved. It was clearly deserved. The way that he was playing defense, the way that he was connecting Michael Malone loves that. He loves what he's seen so far from Christian Brown, the way that he's picked things up, the way that he's executing the defensive schemes. He's a hustler. He's somebody who is going to uh, make some of the extra plays that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. He switched out onto LeBron multiple times. And did LeBron score a couple times? Absolutely. LeBron's going to do that. Did Christian Brown hold his own and did he have any fear? It didn't look like it. 
I thought he played great. I thought he played really, really well. And it's just one of those things where you don't necessarily think that this was going to be the way the season started. I thought that Davon Reed would be the trust guy, and he, he certainly was in over Christian Brown, at least at the beginning of the year. But it's notable that in a day where Michael Porter Jr. sits, rather than go to the like keep the 10-man rotation, the Nuggets go down to a nine-man rotation, stagger a starter with the second unit at all times, and play Christian Brown all the way through rather than playing Davon Reed pretty much at all. So that's where this is trended with the way that Christian Brown has played. I tweeted last night, you may not be able to take him out of the rotation at this point because of how well he's playing and how well he's impacting the game. Now, he was only a plus two tonight in the plus minus because I think the bench as a unit, uh, DeAndre Jordan was a minus 10, Bones was a minus one, uh, Davon Reed in his minute, his, his three minutes was a minus eight and he played, he played badly. But I think, uh, I think Christian Brown has earned that time and that's not going away. That is definitely going to be something that persists and that's cool. That's really good for Christian. Whether he can keep this up for an extended season, I don't know, but ride the wave while he's hot, definitely give him all the teaching moments that are possible and hopefully he continues to contribute to wins because if he does, then Denver has another perimeter defender that they can throw at teams on a consistent basis. Now that KCP has rolled his ankle, it wouldn't surprise me if Christian Brown starts and Bruce Brown comes off the bench. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but if Michael Malone wants to keep the continuity, let's say Michael Porter's back on Friday, if he wants to keep the continuity with the bench unit, then Bruce Brown might be the guy that he leaves with the bench. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Like, I think that Bruce Brown fits so well with the starters that you may want to keep him there too. But it's an interesting thought. Let's move now to Jeff Green, who, when LeBron James was staggering with the second unit, Jeff was responsible for him. I thought he did fine. He was very capable, definitely nothing crazy. Um, But he did have that big dunk. He had a really nice, like, he just knows when to drive the lane really well. And whether it's in the half court, whether it's in transition, most of the time it's in transition, but he's just so effective at picking and finding the weak point on a defender. And he'll drive through their shoulder, drive through their arm, drive around them, just make sure to get a good efficient shot up. And usually it's off of glass, and he, he uses the glass very well. But tonight, missed the threes that he took, but I thought that he played pretty well regardless. 22 minutes, 10 points, 3 of 8 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 4 of 4 from the line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. Was definitely good. And the Nuggets debuted, or they, they uh, reintroduced, it wasn't a debut, But they reintroduced Big Ball, where Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green play next to Nikola Jokic, where Aaron Gordon kind of slides to the three, Jeff's at the four, and it looked good. It looked good. Jeff Green was a plus seven, basically, as a result of that, because he played all of the minutes with DeAndre Jordan. Jordan was a minus 10, 
which means that Jeff Green being at a plus seven is notable. That fourth quarter, where he played with Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray all at the same time, definitely felt like a nice watershed moment for how the Nuggets can layer their rotations a little bit more. Jeff can stagger with that with that starting group a little bit. And it doesn't always have to be in place of Aaron Gordon. It can be in place of MPJ or uh, – well, actually, it would be in place of MPJ in going forward. So we'll see how that goes. But it wouldn't surprise me if MPJ staggers more with the second unit and then there's a rotation that Denver has after that where Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic play together for just a little bit before MPJ comes back into the fold. And finally, DeAndre Jordan. It's unfair to him because I thought that he actually started this game pretty well. But he was a minus 10. And in his 10 minutes that were pretty representative of what the bench unit was doing. Had the game been closer, Nikola Jokic would have played 38 minutes tonight. And Jokic is definitely on on pace to play a lot of minutes early on in the season. Because the bench unit, especially bench center, has just been so unsettled. But I will say, Jordan, two points, one of one, definitely not a shooting threat. But he grabbed five defensive rebounds. He blocked a shot. He only turned the ball over once, and that was just on an errant pass. Committed one foul. I definitely don't think that he was the issue with that second unit. I think it was definitely more of a bones thing. I think there were definitely moments where when when Davon Reed came in and played the three minutes that he played, he took a couple bad shots, fouled LeBron James in transition for and ones, and just all around wasn't good. So I don't I don't think you can point all of it at DeAndre Jordan. I would have to imagine that there are some more layered things to that. But either way, I'm not sure he's a solution, that's for sure, but he's definitely not the main problem, I would say, with that bench unit. It's tough to diagram and and really diagnose what's going on. But it's hard for me to point at DeAndre Jordan as being the only guy because he's not. Like He's definitely not the only problem. I think Bones needs to play better. I think that uh, Bruce Brown, when he's with the second unit, needs to play better, although he did have some threes today that really helped. Uh, whether it's Murray staggering with the second unit or Porter and future elements, I, I do think that those guys, when they play up to their standard, it will make the bench unit look better as a whole. And that might take time. So we'll see. But either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up with some takeaways from the first five games of the season. We'll be right back. at it, pickaxe and roll final segment. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this thing up by talking about Denver's first five games. They are three and two. Is this where they should be? What's going on? How are they really faring at this stage? I want to just look up for everybody briefly. 
uh, the net rating numbers because it's not like it's it's still so early in the season that these are going to absolutely jump. But I do want to make sure that everybody knows them. Through five games, Denver has an offensive rating of 111.9, which if you had to guess, it's actually not great. It's 15th in the NBA. Now, some of these offenses are going to come down. There's no doubt about that. But 15th in the NBA is pretty surprising. And I think part of it is Murray's been a little bit unstable. The, the starters definitely need to form some chemistry. They've been turning a lot of – they're turning the ball over a lot. Defensive rating is where Denver's really struggled. They're at 23rd. So 116.1 defensive rating. But there are teams below them that you probably think, okay, they should probably be – like some of these teams should be really good. Boston is 25th. Philly is 26th. And Memphis is 30th. Memphis is in last right now. So I do think that there's absolutely reason to not panic. Like Denver's 21st in net rating. I think they're fine. It's tough because like there's definitely some panic to have about the defense in general. Like there have been four games of bad defense and then one game versus the Los Angeles Lakers who don't really count as a functional team right now. Let's just look at the Lakers' offensive rating at this point. Yeah, they're 30th. So it's hard for me to seriously credit Denver's defense in this last game, but you only play who's in front of you, and I thought they played defense very well against the Lakers. But Denver's 3-2. and They've lost two road games, which in and of itself isn't really that bad. They've won both of the home games they've played. And the only road game that they won was one where they really shouldn't have. Like, Golden State is a team that Den- that should beat Denver at home. That's how it should work, because Denver should be pretty much everybody at home, and they should lose to elite teams on the road. There's no doubt about that, and Golden State is an elite team. So it's fascinating to think about. They let OKC and LA hang around, but they won those games in the end. I do think that hmm, I have a note here that says great win versus KCP showcasing their talent level. I don't know uh, what that means. I think I meant great win versus Golden State showcasing their talent level. Yeah, that that's what I meant. So the game, the game versus Golden State without Jamal Murray, you start Bruce Brown in their place in his place, and Christian Brown plays off the bench and plays really well. That game showcased what the Nuggets can be and what their level of defense can be against the Warriors, where the Warriors had a great offensive night in general, but usually they're in fuego against the Nuggets, and they played everybody. They played everybody a lot of minutes. So it's fascinating to think about that even though the numbers don't necessarily look great against Golden State, that looked like their most functional level of defense, in my opinion. I think the Lakers game this last night was more of a product of the Lakers than anything else. But I do think that at this stage, the Nuggets have shown some good signs and some bad signs. I think Jokic looks great when he wants to be great. 
There's no doubt about that, that I, I don't have any questions about Nikola Jokic other than his ceiling on the defensive end. And that's going to follow him until the playoffs. We're not going to get an answer on that until April, May, June. Michael Porter looks really good. If he plays on Friday, that will be a good sign. We did get that word from Michael Malone that he expects Porter to play on Friday and that he probably could have played tonight, but they just wanted to hold him out or last night, but they just wanted to hold him out because it's a long season, 82 games. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities to sit Michael Porter Jr. because he wants to play as many games as possible. I don't think that he should. I think that he should probably play about 65, but he's going to play more than that in all likelihood, and that's great. That shows that he's healthy, or at least as close to being healthy as he possibly can be. But he looks really good when he does play. And he's shown some good signs on the defensive end. He's shown some good signs on the offensive end. That's what you want to see. Jamal Murray doesn't really look great right now, at least overall. But what I will say, through four games, he's averaging 27 minutes a night, which is way higher than I thought he would be at this stage. I thought he'd be closer to 20. And what that says to me is that he is not that far off. It's going to take some time. He's still kicking off the rust. He definitely has to have the game slow down. But what this looks like to me is just kind of a prolonged early season stretch from Jamal, where it's like those early season struggles, but more emphasized because of maybe the lack of, not awareness, but like the acute sense of what he's supposed to do on that end, on on both ends of the floor. Though his defense has looked mostly fine, it's been fine. So I do think that there are going to be some bad moments for Murray over the course of his next six weeks or so. And it's going to be mixed in with some good moments, some good signs. It's going to take some time. It, that's how it's going to look. And Denver's record in these next six weeks will probably reflect that. It probably will look about like, I don't know, through 20 games, they'll probably be like 12 and 8. That would be my guess. And if they're 12 and 8 and Jamal hasn't played his best basketball yet, I'm not going to be concerned. I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking, okay, so when does the other shoe drop? When does he start looking good? It might take some time, but... If it's after that 20-game threshold and he's still looking bad, then we'll see. I think he's going to be okay. But to make up for him shooting 5 of 19 from 3 so far, he's like 26%. Aaron Gordon's like 7% or 6%. He's at 1 of 16 from 3. Michael Porter, KCP, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, they're all shooting exactly 50% from 3 so far. That's great. That's the spacing that Denver hasn't had, where MPJ and KCP, they can make up for a lot of what Denver had missed last year. Because as hot as Monte Morris or Will Barton could get from three at different stretches, they just aren't the level of shooters. It's just night and day. Bruce Brown is a much 
more similar shooter to somebody like Monte or Will. And then Jeff Green, it would be nice if he just completely bounces back and, and hit some threes. He didn't really hit the threes last year. He still has plenty of time to regress. It's a very small sample size. But if Jeff Green could hit like, I don't know, 35% from three, 38% from three, as opposed to the 31 that he hit last year, Denver spacing's just going to look so much better in general on both on both uh, starters and bench unit. I've been thinking about this for a little bit here. Overall, Denver should probably have won about three and a half out of five games through these first five. And I get there by this. You should win the OKC and the LA games, the two games at home. Those are two guaranteed wins that you should have. They should have won at least, actually, well, here's the thing. They should have been about 75% against Utah and 75% against Portland because you know where those two teams are going to be. They're playing over their heads right now just a little bit. But I do think that Denver should have won at least one of those games and maybe both of them because of where Denver should be. Although it's going to take some time for Denver to ultimately get to where we think they should be. And they should have lost the Golden State game because that's a road game on a back-to-back. And actually, one of the reasons why Denver should have won the Portland game was because Portland was on the second night of a back-to-back after an emotional win. So that should have been a spot where Denver blitzed them and then put the hammer down. Didn't happen, but that's how I get to three and a half out of five. You probably should have won Utah. You probably should have won Portland. You probably shouldn't have won Golden State, but you did. So you only win three games out of five instead of four or five, which is fine. Like as long as Denver didn't go one and four, like the Phoenix or not not the Phoenix Suns, the Philadelphia 76ers have, where they've lost to teams like San Antonio. It definitely feels like Denver's fine. They're going to get through this stretch. It's not going to be that bad. Just looking through the rest of their schedule for like, let's look through the next 10 games or so. They play Utah again on Friday, have a potential revenge spot there. Although Utah, it's pretty clear that they feel like they can score against Denver really well. So we'll see if that can change. Then Denver goes on the road and plays the Lakers again and OKC again. Two games that they won at home, whether they win against those teams on the road remains to be seen. Then they play a home and home against San Antonio. And then they play Indiana, Boston, and Chicago on the road as well in a four-game road trip. It's going to look interesting. Those next eight games, I do think that Denver could go something like four and four, and it's not going to feel great, and Denver's going to be uh, eight and seven, or is that math? No, that's a uh, seven and six. That's the right math. If they're seven and six after 13 games, honestly, that's probably par because I do think that the Lakers at some point are going to get off their schneid. The OKC gives Denver issues pretty consistently, and that's they're probably going to get caught at some point. You, It's very rare to win both ends of the home and home. And even though it's against the San Antonio Spurs, you know that they can deliver. 
Indiana, you're probably winning that game, but Denver could get caught. Boston, they've had trouble with before. Chicago, they've had trouble with before. So I don't think anybody should panic over the course of these next couple weeks or so if Denver's losing some games that you feel like they should win because it's still going to be some time to gel. It's still going to be some moments early on in the year where it just doesn't matter as much. Like you would rather be playing your best basketball around January or February as opposed to in October and November. But I do think that if Denver goes like six and two, which they're capable of, then everybody's going to feel pretty good. The Nuggets, they have the capability to do that. Obviously, they have the talent to do that. Having a couple Murray flurries, having a big MPJ game at some point, those make everybody feel a little bit better than where they are right now because there's definitely a sense of, okay, Denver should be three and two. They maybe even should be four and one through these first five games. I think a lot of people are kind of shaking their heads a little bit like, okay, this doesn't feel as good as it should. It doesn't need to. It's going to be a grind. The season is so long. Denver's going to be okay. All right. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back. I'm going to try to podcast Friday night after the game. I promise. This last one, the game started at 8. It, I got home at about midnight, 1230 or so, and was just not feeling it. So... I will try to podcast after the Utah game on Friday night. Should be good. Really excited for that one. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.